of this experience and the outcome that it had. And I just needed to remind myself that I was worthy of that experience and of this V-back. And that just took some time to process. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. This episode is a solo episode about how postpartum has been going now that baby number two has arrived. Hello, hello. This episode is a recap basically of the first month postpartum with my second birth. Isaac was born January 6, 2022, and he was a successful unmedicated VBAC. And I guess we can basically just start off with the birth story. So, Rosie was born about two and a half years ago by an unplanned cesarean. And I have been building up my mindset and, you know, really just planning on having a VBAC this time around with our second. And on Thursday, January 6th, it all became a reality. And not only did I get my V back, but I did it completely unmedicated. I know I am just, you know, so surprised as well, but not at all, like at the same time. And this was honestly such an amazing experience for me and overall so healing in so many ways. For those of you out there that are on this wild ride of a VBAC journey, you are amazing and you're on the path that you're meant to follow. If, if this is something that you want to go for, go for it. If it's not, you know, don't feel like you have to. I think a VBAC is something that we choose to do for whatever reason and a repeat cesarean is just as worthy of a choice but that's a decision that you have to decide on and it's not something that anybody can really dictate or have an opinion about because it's what you want to do and it's a decision that you are making And it's just a matter of, you know, choosing a path that you want to go down. And for me, that was choosing a VBAC. And I am in complete awe of my body and really just soaking up every little moment that I possibly can with this little man. So, you know, back to the birth story and It started with pressure waves really waking me up around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning that Thursday, and I waited them out for probably about an hour before I woke up my husband, and then once he was up, we continued to really just, you know, work through them, and um, we were thinking like they might calm down or span out a little bit, but they remained pretty consistent for a couple of hours. And I thought, you know, getting a shower would help and I'd be able to get myself ready afterwards, but I just managed to pretty much just get myself dressed after the shower since things were getting so intense. And I mainly, you know, was wondering how far apart they were because at that point, you know, I did not have my phone on me. I wasn't tracking anything. My husband was doing a really good job at staying on top of that and also contacting our doula and our friend who would be watching Rosie. 
but I was questioning, you know, why isn't anybody here? What's going on? How long has it been? How far apart are they? Like all while still trying to like focus on the main objective, which is just, you know, working through everything that was going on. So I used lots of pillows, like an excessive amount of pillows, all the pillows that were on our bed, any pillows that were kind of in our room, things like that. I kind of bunched up blankets to be more like a pillow. I moved around the room a lot and into the bathroom and I really enjoyed the hip squeezes. If you don't know what this is, definitely look into it or you know if you uh, also used it let me know if that was something that you enjoyed too I really think counter pressure is an amazing tool to use like no matter what kind of movement you're using to kind of alleviate that pressure that's occurring you know, hip squeezes are basically your partner or a doula. Somebody is squeezing your hips together and allowing that counter pressure to occur when, when you're feeling pressure in that area. And, you know, I highly suggest trying it out and seeing if that's something that you like, if it feels good, if it helps you try it before labor and then you know see if it's something that helps while you're going through labor and like me every time I needed it I would just kind of yell out squeeze and my husband would come over and just and just do a big old hip squeeze and I'd let him know if it was needed to be harder or lighter or up or down or whatever and um, we pretty much did that for the whole duration every time that I would ask for it he was there and you know looking back now and basically talking about what was going on my husband wasn't sure if it was you know time to go to the hospital or anything or if it was too early And even though I was saying like, you know, aren't they getting closer together? Like, I feel like they're getting more intense and everything like that. He was a little hesitant to rush because, you know, last time we had gotten to the hospital too early and, you know, he had no idea what kind of timeline we were looking at. And honestly, you know, how could I either, you know, how could he, like neither of us knew, nobody knows when you're going to give birth like you know that things are progressing maybe or you know it's getting further along but you don't know when exactly baby is going to come so and you know birth is definitely something we can't know the time of and it has its own path and it, it does its own thing like I said with our our first we went to the hospital shortly after my water broke. So I wasn't even a centimeter dilated when we arrived at the hospital. And we were there for a really long time. And ultimately, that's the birth that resulted in a cesarean. So while it may have been frustrating in the moment, it really did work out well that we stayed at home for as long as we did. I was just so happy with how it all went. And At some point throughout the time that we were at home, things got so intense. I was laying on my side in bed and I definitely felt my water break. It might have just been slightly, but I was like, holy cow, like I think he dropped and I got a little panicky for a bit and then Our friend had finally arrived and was watching Rosie downstairs getting ready to take her to her place to watch her for as long as we need it. And at that point, I was like, we need to go now. I don't want this baby to be born at home. We need to get to the hospital immediately. And because it was about like a 25 minute 
ride to the hospital. So I was kind of in a little bit of a panic mode. Like, are we going to make it? Like, I feel like he's coming. And so he packed up the car immediately and I jumped in and, and we were on our way and Rosie was safe. And I think knowing that our friend was there and knowing that Rosie had somewhere to go and that she was taken care of really helped me relax even more. And I think that ultimately helped things progress even further. On the drive to the hospital, you know, it was it was really just a complete blur. I was holding on to the sides of the doors and wherever else I could get a grip on and I would open my eyes maybe just a little bit every now and then to see how far away we were and you know just working through the waves as they came and we probably got there shortly after 11:30 in the morning and my doula was already there waiting for us at the door. Jeff pulled up and he dropped me off and I just hopped into a wheelchair that I thought our doula had gotten for me, but I guess it was actually just left there from someone else who had just left the hospital and had gotten into a car. And um, I just was like, all right, like I'm getting in this wheelchair because I can't move for longer than a few seconds once things like start getting intense and um you know she was like all right and just immediately wheeled me right in and we went through the front check-in and right up to triage and then you know they asked if they could check me and then when they finally did it, it I mean it didn't take long when they checked me um I was already about eight centimeters and I later found out that I was actually maybe nine, but they just said eight to be sure. And, you know, I was definitely an eight, could have been a nine. And, you know, either way, I was just so thrilled to be at an eight. And I remember just being like, I'm an eight, I'm an eight. Like, I was just so excited because I was thinking, you know, these are feelings are so intense and things are getting like really really close and if I'm not further I was saying to myself like kind of like if I'm not further than a six or a seven like I don't know what to expect because this is this is probably like close to what I can handle and so you know I was really happy to hear that I was at an eight and then um, we passed my husband in the hallway, I think, or he had he had been like up there kind of like searching for us, like wondering like where we were at and asking people, you know, like where'd my wife go? And um, then he heard me and then we met up and we were on our way to labor and delivery. I was a little nervous because I was like, how is he going to get in here? And like, does he know where to go? And I'm already at an eight. Like, is he going to make it in time? Like, is he parking the car? I was a little like concerned, like, where is he? And then so once we met up with him and he was there, I was like, all right, it's good. Like, we're all here. Everything's good and taken care of. Now I just need to like focus on the last part and, and get this baby out. So they immediately began filling the tub that was in the room and putting on the bands around my waist and everything that you need to help monitor the baby's heart rate and everything. And they did hook me up with an IV for antibiotics because I was GBS positive. And that was the only thing that I needed to get hooked up to. And then... Due to some issues that they were seeing with Isaac's heart rate, they didn't feel comfortable allowing me to go into the tub. And that's what they had said. They just said, you know, like, we're really not comfortable with you going in the tub and and birthing there because of what we're seeing. But they checked me again and they said that I was fully dilated and if I was ready then it was time to push. So I was kind of like, all right, like I'm fine with not 
having to go in the tub if like it's go time and it must have only been a little over 20 minutes before Isaac came out and I was able to have you know that beautiful moment of him immediately on my chest and that was just so amazing like I remember you know pushing and pushing and they were saying that his head was coming out and then next thing I know everything was out and they were telling me I could grab him and hold him and I just like released my hands I had both hands uh holding Jeff's hands and laying on my side and I just released my hands from him so that I could I could wrap my arms around Isaac and just bring him in and close him in on my chest and that was that was the most healing part like just getting that moment of him on my chest because that was kind of what I was envisioning and and hoping for throughout you know everything and that was that was kind of like the picture in my head of I want that moment of him on my chest and he was born at 12:45 p.m., which was only about an hour after we had arrived at the hospital. And he weighed 8 pounds, 4 ounces, and was almost 21 inches long, which is more than Rosie was, my C-section baby, who they said might have been too large and that's why I couldn't deliver vaginally. So if you are out there and they're telling you that your baby's too big and that's what's stopping you from having a vaginal birth, I suggest fighting that and not letting that get to you because that is not true majority of the time. And it's really unlikely that that will ever be a real issue for you. So you know, our bodies are made to birth the babies that we create. Um, I think it's just a matter of positioning and things like that that are going to be issues. And there's definitely, you know, multiple various reasons for cesareans. But having them just say, oh, your baby looks like they're going to be too big, so we can't have this. And you can't even try to labor. Um, I think that's something that is definitely something that's very, you know, misunderstood. And then, you know, from there we entered the postpartum period. And that's where we're at now in this, in this, you know, beautiful side of, after being pregnant and transitioning into the postpartum time. So, you know, day one obviously was the same day that he was born. And I was just in complete shock and just so thrilled and so proud of myself that I got my V back. And, um, you know, the afterbirth was a lot more intense than I thought it would be. I did need a few stitches and while they did use lidocaine, I could still feel some of the stitching and I did not have those, you know, wonderful endorphins naturally like still going on to help relieve some of the sensations that I was feeling as they were doing the stitches and the amount of pressure that they used on my stomach afterwards too was not all that great feeling and slightly uncomfortable and that's something that you know I didn't experience with a cesarean and I was just you know overall so thrilled to be holding my baby and was trying to just stay focused on him but there was definitely still a lot going on down there that they needed to take care of before we could both just relax and cuddle and just enjoy the moment. Jeff got to cut the umbilical cord, which was really fun to watch. Um, you know, I was holding him in my arms and then um, 
they had held the umbilical cord really close, like up towards me. And then Jeff leaned over Isaac and was able to cut it. And they also said that my placenta was pretty big as far as normal placentas go. So I thought that was really cool. I wish I would have took more time to look at it in detail and really check it out. But I was just too interested in holding Isaac and, you know, they placed the placenta in this little cooler that I got with ice so that it can be taken to get encapsulated. And then they finally just, you know, gave us some time alone. And that's when I started to try to nurse him. And, um, you know, we really just chatted and talked and we're, you know, finally taking that breath of like, like what just happened? Like, how did this whole day go? And, and just like remembering and, and talking about everything that had happened all morning. And then they came back and, um, I was able to stand up like right away. And I moved over into a wheelchair to get transferred to the mom and baby room, which, you know, felt pretty awesome because, you know, again, comparing it to the cesarean, I was stuck in a bed and I just couldn't move for 12 whole hours. So it felt really awesome and empowering to be able to just, you know, stand up, get out of the the bed that I was in to deliver with and um, just get in that wheelchair and go to the other room. You know, once I was in the other room recovering and everything, the hospital had those large pads and mesh underwear and they also had a peri bottle that I could use while I was there, which was great. They gave me a dermaplast spray, which helped cool the area and actually helped out a lot, um, you know, with the stitches and everything that's going on down there. It was really kind of like cooling and soothing. Definitely something that I would not have thought of, but they, they gave me and I used it. And, you know, I also took home extra items that were left over, like all the pads, all the mesh underwear, like everything like that. And if you didn't know you could do this, now you do. And, you know, all those disposable items are things that they won't be able to reuse for anybody else. You know, they're yours to take. And the diapers and wipes that they give you for baby take them. There's uh, usually a little baby thermometer and the cute little pink and blue striped hats and swaddle blanket. You know, you can take them with you. And if you're not sure what items are able for you to take and not take, then just ask the nurse that comes in and say like which items are, you know, mine to take or, you know, which items won't be able to be reused or things like that. I know with Rosie, I also took the water bottle that I had been drinking out of that they gave us and everything. And this time around, I didn't take the water bottle because I already had one and we have so many at home. But, you know, it's things like that that you just, you know, ask your nurse, like, is this something that we're able to bring home with us? Or, you know, ask beforehand, like, what items are going to be supplied for us at the hospital? And, you know, if you're having a home birth or at a birth center, you know, think about things that you want to have around so that you can have uh, immediately right afterwards. But, you know, anyway... I ended up only staying at the hospital for a little over 24 hours. They required me to stay at least 24 hours, and that's how long they needed to observe Isaac for and wanted him there for. But then, you know, once those 24 hours passed, I was able to come home. So Jeff came to pick me and Isaac up, and our neighbors watched Rosie and, you know, I got 
back right before dinner time the next day. So Friday right before dinner is when uh, Isaac and I came home and it was just so cute seeing Rosie interact with her little brother for the first time. And we have a video and pictures and the dogs got to meet him too. And I just remember her saying, he's so cute. He's so cute. Like over and over. And she just, she actually got um, a little toy for him too that Jeff and her went out and picked out. And he said that she was so cute about it. She was really kind of, you know, thinking like, what toy do I want to get him? And she was like, so specific with like, which one she wanted. So that was another thing. Like she ran inside, like once we got inside and she grabbed the toy that she had bought for him and she just kind of like threw it at his face and was like, this is for you. (laughs) So we have been learning you know, gentle and we have to like watch his face. She just wants to lay on him and give him kisses and it's the cutest thing ever. But that moment of just watching them, you know, meet each other for the first time was really cool. And then, you know, going back to um, not only like the items that you can bring home from the hospital, Um, I had those, but I put them with some other items in a basket that I set up at home in our bathroom. I just kept items that I knew I would need postpartum in there. And so they were like all in one place, just like easy to grab, everything like that. And I actually ordered one of my own Perry bottles, which, you know, I really enjoyed much better. If you like the one from the hospital, then stick with that. If you maybe think you'd like another one, then look into other, you know, styles or brands and things like that that maybe you'd like. I also had flushable wipes in there, which I thought were really helpful and useful rather than toilet paper. And then I had different sized pads for when my flow would get lighter, which, you know, started to slow down around two weeks. And then at three weeks, I was kind of just using the lighter pads, but I was still bleeding and needed something. And then by the end of the first month, I was really only just using kind of panty liners or like going back to the larger pads if I knew I was gonna, you know, not be able to change it for a while or anything like that and I also had coconut oil in there and breast pads and some nipple cream so those are the things that I had been using often and I kept them all consolidated into that little basket at home in our bathroom like right next to the toilet so You know, that first night home, actually, I had a really vivid dream. It was so intense and it was really tough. And like, honestly, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought I lost touch with reality and it was, it was really, really crazy. You know, what my mind was doing and what was occurring and I think I was just in complete shock still that, you know, I had just had a VBAC and I thought that I was in some sort of timeline shift and nothing that had happened really happened and I wasn't sure if the birth was real and I actually had the VBAC and I thought something terrible had happened and Isaac wasn't actually home with us. And I think it was just, you know, the lack of sleep had a lot to do with it and mentally just trying to process the whole birth in general. It was just like a lot going on. And, you know, they say like, you know, like, things are going to happen and, you know, crazy things can happen. And I'm just here to say, you know, 
it's okay and it's normal. And I think, you know, it's important for us to talk about that and express those things. Like I immediately told Jeff and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm telling you because I'm not ashamed of it or afraid of it. Like I'm just aware of it. And I think, you know, just having somebody that you feel comfortable enough to express these things that are mentally occurring or happening is so important because it's not fair to just let it kind of like ramble around in your head on your own. We are all on our own journeys and having our own experiences and I think that's something that's really important for us to understand and for me personally, I think with that dream, I felt guilty that I got to have this VBAC experience because even though over 80% of women who attempt a VBAC or it's called a TOLIC trial of labor after cesarean, you know, even though 80% of those women are able to achieve it, there are still those that don't get that outcome. And I felt bad that I got the chance to, you know, try in the first place and then ultimately have that VBAC, have that experience, have that baby on my chest. And it was a matter of taking the time and giving myself the permission to feel like I deserved that birth. And I honestly felt really unsure of if I deserved it and why was I worthy of, of having that experience. And I'm just really proud of myself now and I'm able to celebrate that accomplishment. And I, you know, prepared so much for it and I truly feel like I manifested this birth and it was something that I had such a strong vision for and not saying that others who hope for this kind of experience just as much or as hard didn't do the right things or anything like that but I think it just made it that much more fulfilling and, you know, feeling like an accomplishment. And I know, you know, from my first, for example, like how unpredictable birth can be. And I am just super appreciative of this experience and the outcome that it had. And I just needed to remind myself that I was worthy of that experience and of this VBAC and that just took some time to process but like I said I was really just aware of the moment and aware of my emotions from that dream and I was able to you know talk through it and process it and just overcome it and you know, on a much less serious note, I finally had my first poop three days postpartum. And I actually think I overloaded on stool softeners and some apple juice because like I was really terrified of this first poop. I think everybody kind of talks about it and says like, you know, like, oh man, it's going to be bad. Like you better watch out. Like make sure you take the stool softeners. And so they gave me some when I was at the hospital and I still had not pooped when I left. So I took some at home and Jeff had read on the package, take, you know, three pills or take two to three pills and I took two and then a couple hours later I took another two and well at one point I had read on the box take two to three a day <laughs> so you know I had been taking a lot of stool softeners and so by 
the next day I was definitely able to poop for sure and um, I was really nervous about it but with um, the stool softeners and you know maybe the juice also helped it wasn't that bad and um, you know things have been fine since I've been I've been fine with pooping (laughs) and um, I also got my placenta pills right around then and I have been taking them every day and I have noticed a difference between my first postpartum experience and now this one but it's hard to tell you know how much the placenta pills are factoring into that but I want to believe that they are one of the factors of you know why I've been feeling as well as I have both mentally and physically and my milk came in and I think that wasn't as much of a shock this time around either because I knew what to expect but I had my breast pads already in place and I started taking sunflower lechen I think is how you say it or pronounce it but I was getting clogged ducts pretty early on with Rosie, so I decided to be a little proactive this time and just start start taking it um, right away, like right when I knew my milk was in and things were flowing and things like that. And it's just a pill. Um, it comes in a pill form, and it's just something that I take along with my prenatal vitamins and the placenta pills. I take them every day. You know, also just want to talk about postpartum night sweats for a bit. This is something I experienced with Rosie, but I thought it was my milk coming in and I just needed to wear the breast pads at night. And um, this time around, it has been a lot more obvious. I'm not sure if it's something that increases with the number of births that you have or you know it can fluctuate and be different every time but you know I have been waking up completely covered in sweat and it's cold so like sometimes I get up you know to feed him and I'm covered in this hot sweat and then I pull back the sheets and it's cold and it's just you know, such an uncomfortable feeling and my sheets are soaked, the pillow's all wet and it's just a lot more obvious this time around. And, you know, basically what's happening with this is when you're pregnant, your body needs higher levels of estrogen and progesterone. And then after birth, you know, these levels just drastically decrease, causing your body to sweat and it can typically take a few weeks after birth for this to subside and and really just go away but you know we're one month postpartum now and it's decreasing but it's not completely going away yet so we set up our bedroom essentially into like a studio apartment for the first week and we were all just hanging out in there and it was about three or four days postpartum and I had gotten out of bed and was moving around and things like that and I think I just overdid it and I actually was getting out of bed later that night to get up and go to the bathroom and let's just say I did not make it into the bathroom in time and you have to remember your pelvic floor is you know so weak this early on and essentially you don't have as much control over things like holding your bladder for example as you did before and it's still you know working on getting back into what it was doing and and you know you have to give yourself that time to rest and recover. And I was even wearing, 
you know, the large pads and the mesh underwear and everything at that time. So it wasn't that bad, but I did pee all over myself and on the floor. And I am telling you guys so that if you are out there and it happened to you too, you are not alone. And it was a tough night. And, um, you know, we cleaned it up and I took a bath and recovered and was just kind of like, holy cow, like I need to make sure that I'm just staying in bed for the next few days. And I, you know, took a bath that night, like I said, and, um, I took a few baths that week, that first week, um, probably one at least every day. And then I've just been, you know, trying to take a few baths here and there when I can. And I'm only in there for about like 15, 20 minutes. It's not anything like intense, like long, hot bath. Like it's just kind of something to put some hot water, some Epsom salt and really just kind of soak and it just feels amazing and it's super helpful in the recovery process. So it helps with healing and just taking time to relax and you also just get that magnesium in the Epsom salt and you know that's helping you reduce stress and boost your energy levels. So I highly suggest taking baths or I know that they have little you know, sits, baths um, that you can have that you kind of just soak in. But baths are definitely nice and something to try to do in those first few weeks. So my husband did the meal prep for this month. For those of you that don't know, I am certified in postpartum nutrition. So I created a meal plan that I wanted to follow and go along with that had lots of nourishing and healing food for me to enjoy while I was recovering and he did all the meal prep for it and really just got that together for me and it was a really great experience because I got to use what I learned since my first birth and then incorporate that into my own postpartum journey and see the benefits of eating well for myself and you know if this is something that you're interested in there is a postpartum nutrition guide that I created and I'll have it linked in the show notes but it's also on the entering motherhood website as a pdf download that you can have and if you're interested in working with you know creating your own personalized meal plan that really incorporates all these good healing nourishing foods then you know let me know and we can get you something to work with in those first few weeks as you are on your postpartum journey so please you know feel free to reach out to me and let me know i'd love to hear from you and i'd love to help you with this because it was super fun for me and I think, you know, creating meal plans and, you know, really discussing nutrition with moms and letting them know what is going to be beneficial for them and really help them heal in this process is, you know, something that truly lights me up and something that I feel has helped me tremendously in my postpartum journey. And Nutrition is something that's so unique to each individual and I feel like it's so important to really take that time to listen to our bodies and understand what it's needing and connect with our body through food and it's something that can be so simple and when we use something like a meal plan, it helps take the guesswork out of what to eat and eliminates those moments of just standing in front of the fridge or the pantry trying to figure out 
what's for dinner or how to make a meal out of all the things that are in there, especially in those first few weeks of motherhood where you're just, you know, so hazy and and preoccupied with so many other things. And so it's hard to focus on anything else. Also, you know, giving that task to somebody who wants to care for you, like your partner, and having them create those meals for you and give them to you is something that they can do and feel super involved and you know, help out in your healing journey. We also did have friends drop off or send us some meals, which was super helpful and super appreciate it. And I really suggest taking advantage of friends doing this. And if you want, you can even like tell them, you know, what meals you like, give suggestions or, or anything like that. And don't be afraid to say yes to have someone send you food. You can do it like we did and have them do a porch drop-off even. So that way you can focus on the baby and not have to worry about like, you know, getting ready or anything like that or feeling like you have to get out of bed or go downstairs at that moment to go greet them or just go to the front door and just be clear with how you would like help and what boundaries you're setting when they stop by. And if you want a visitor, go for it. If you want to have them come in and, you know, see the baby and have somebody to talk to, let them know that too. Let them know that it's okay to come in and do that and do those things. But if you want to just hide inside, you can do that too. It's it's really up to you and I promise everyone will understand because ultimately they just want to help and they care about you and they really want to do something nice for you. So they are going to be receptive to whatever, you know, boundaries and things and such that you're setting. And listen, also, like, don't be afraid to have food that you want or to enjoy a special treat from a friend or anything like that. You know, sure, certain foods are going to be more healing for you and help you in your recovery process. But I think we should also take our mental state into account. No one likes to feel restrictive or be told that they can't have something. I think it's important to be mindful with your eating and also be intentional with how you're fueling your body. But by no means should you be limiting yourself when it comes to food or trying to completely eliminate foods. If you're not ready or in the position to want to do that because it's going to be so rough, uh, you know, of a journey for you or not enjoyable for anybody because you're going to be so miserable just feeling like, ugh, like I can't have that. And that's not the goal. And I always hope that people are taking pride in what they eat and learning ways to be more in tune with their bodies and really listen to themselves and be more accepting of their body and respect their body in a way that they want to eat food that tastes good but also feels good to them as well. And when we're able to understand how our bodies feel and then react to specific types of food, then it can help us connect with our bodies on a deeper level. And there is no one-size-fits-all, and it can really just be so rewarding when we're able to relate the food that we eat with how we physically feel. And I'll stop ranting about nutrition now because it's obviously something that 
I'm super passionate about and I could talk about postpartum nutrition for hours, but we'll jump into, you know, the first doctor's appointment that was a few days postpartum and, um, you know, technically this was our first time out since leaving the hospital. Jeff was still home on leave so he was able to go with us and take us there. When we got there, they did all the normal newborn checks, like the measurements and weight and such. And so he was down a few ounces under his birth weight. And they actually suggested to supplement with formula, which I was honestly super upset about and shocked that, you know, I believe this was only four days postpartum. This was, he was four days old and they were telling me that I should supplement with formula. And first off, at four days old, you know, for those mamas that are out there that do not know, it is perfectly normal and okay for your baby to drop weight those first few days, especially if they are breastfed. He was six or seven percent under his birth weight. If I was not confident in my ability to feed my baby and know that it's just going to take some time for him to get back up to his birth weight, I could have easily went and started using formula. I could have felt so down on myself and felt like I was starving my baby and not giving him what he needed and that I wasn't doing enough if I wasn't as confident as I was that my milk had come in and that I was giving him what he needed. And also, just to let you know, when your baby is first born, you're going to produce colostrum, which is more, you know, a yellowy color and it's high in fat and it's the only thing that your baby needs at that time. And it's very small amounts because their stomach is very small. It's super, super tiny. And then your milk typically doesn't come in until about three or five days after birth. So you're just giving your baby like little amounts. Their stomach is slowly growing and getting bigger and you are learning to bond and nurse with your baby. And, you know, it's just insane that they would suggest that so early on. But in any sense, it happened, and I'm just here to tell you that it is perfectly normal for breastfed babies to drop 10% of their birth weight right after birth, and that weight, you know, sometimes takes about two weeks to go back up. It could take, you know, a couple days, or it could take two weeks for them to get back up to their birth weight and then I think it's something around they gain about one ounce every day so we went back two days later and he was up three ounces which is great and after that second appointment I really did start to feel more relaxed with the feedings and confident in knowing that he was eating enough and that my milk had come in and that everything was flowing okay. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, wait and see if you can do a weight check or monitor your baby's weight after a feeding before you go ahead and start doing something like supplementing with formula if that's not 
a plan of yours, if that's not something that you were thinking about before, but they're just kind of suggesting, um, you know, take time to really consider your options if you want to strictly be breastfeeding and stand with your decision if that's something that you want to be doing. We did talk about a possible lip tie that he might have with his top lip, but his latches seeming like it's improving and he's definitely getting enough milk, so I'm not too concerned about it, but you know, tongue and lip ties can be a reason for a poor latch and why you might be experiencing pain when you're nursing and also get cracked and even bleeding nipples. So I'd keep an eye on that and reach out for help. Lactation consultants will be able to determine any ties and refer you to someone who can fix the issue if that's something that you want to look into. And I was getting you know, a little bit of like cracked and sore nipples pretty early on and then they've slowly been healing and recovering. So after about two weeks, Jeff went back to work and that was my first day all alone at home and it's been going good though in this first month and basically I'm just staying on a bit of the meal plan and moving around a bit more and getting back into uh, a daily routine of a sort and trying to find out you know that new routine and that new sense of normal. We started doing tummy time and Isaac is keeping his eyes open more often and just more and more each day and he's been a bit interactive this first month. We feed about every hour during the day and then every two to three hours at night since we're sticking to feeding on demand pretty much anytime he seems ready to eat. I just go ahead and nurse him for as long as he'd like and we let him sleep otherwise. But we had our actual, actual first outing and interaction with other people this month and we went to a barbecue restaurant for our friend's birthday and that felt really good to just you know get out and have a reason to get dressed in going out clothes <laughs> and just have somewhere that you had to get ready to go to for a few hours and so that you know mentally was great and we also went over to hang out with our neighbors this month so you know that was nice because they could see him and we can get some time out of the house also in the first month my in-laws came to visit and we stayed for the most part you know of the weekend just spending time inside they spent a lot of time giving Rosie lots of love and attention and, um, you know, just holding Isaac and seeing all of us. And they came just for a long weekend. They have been the only visitors we've had come and stay at the house so far. And we did go out on a walk the one day while they were here just around the neighborhood and that was nice just to get out and get some fresh air and really just you know move around because I had not been doing much of that otherwise. This month I also have gone out to get coffee 
uh, with some friends just to coffee shops and things like that and have been, you know, feeding in public and feeling fine about that and being more confident with it this time around. And I think I tried so hard to be really discreet with Rosie and had all the covers and all the things and I would try not to, you know, show anything and I'd hide and I found that a lot of those covers and such just draw even more attention and make it obvious what you're doing anyway and I think if you have a nursing top on or you know a nursing tank top or just a tank top that's like stretchy with like another top on top then you typically can't even you know tell that you're feeding your baby because it just looks like you're holding them and it's all a matter of your comfort zone and being aware of your rights and your area and whatnot and it might help to find a few tops that you feel really comfortable in and save them for days that you know you'll be nursing in public. You can even just try doing it in smaller, less crowded areas first to gain confidence as you keep moving along in your breastfeeding journey. Then as you feel more comfortable or even just, you know, practice at home in front of a mirror or something and and look at yourself and see how you know, you can't even tell what's going on and it does look like you're just holding your baby. And once you kind of get that in your mind, then you can go out in public more often and feel fine with feeding your baby in public. The last thing I wanted to end on here for the first month was just how much the first few months can feel. And that's all I really, and I say that's all, I know this was really long and there was a lot, but it's, you know, the birth story along with that first month and there's just so much there and, you know, so much that I'm still learning and, you know, now navigating with two littles, it's just a whole other level again and a whole new experience. So I'm sharing it with you guys so that one, you know, you don't feel so alone. These things are happening to a lot of moms out there. And the more we share our stories and the more we kind of just express what's going on, the the more those conversations can really be open up and the more we can feel more confident and empowered in motherhood. And so with that, the last thing that I wanted to end on here is for this this first month just how much the first few months can feel like you're just doing absolutely nothing but that's okay and there was this little cartoon that I saw the other day from an account called 4am doodles and it said I haven't done anything all day and then the other person sitting next to the mom says you've kept a tiny human alive and I think that really encompasses what that early postpartum period is like and we have to really remember that these little moments in these early days are so much more valuable than it might seem and it really may feel like you have done absolutely nothing all day. I mean, there have been days so far, even in this, you know, short amount of time that I have just sat around and done absolutely nothing but nurse him. But that's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, I'm keeping him alive and I'm doing, you know, what needs to be done and um, healing still. So we're all going through this and I encourage you to share 
your story and things that, you know, have been going on in your first few moments of postpartum and what it's been like and, you know, what your highlights are, what your favorite part has been, what your lowest part has been, what's been the hardest for you so far and really just, you know, being more aware of what's going on and taking everything into account and finding some way to maybe document it or just even just journal about it or get it out and talk to somebody about it. But just having more conversations around postpartum, I think is so necessary and so needed. And if you have been sticking around for this whole time, thank you for listening and really just hearing me out and and being here along this journey with me. So, all right, mamas, get ready for the next update. And I promise it will not be as long, but it's it's much appreciated that you've been sticking around with me and listening to this. So let me know if you are somewhere in that postpartum period as well and that's why you're listening to this or if you are preparing for that postpartum period and you're listening to this, uh, reach out to me. I love hearing from you guys and really just connecting with other moms and helping them navigate through this journey we call motherhood. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.